y'all. I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Santa issues an apology to female reindeers globally. Steven Tyler is the patron saint of our holidays. And 2018 is a fresh opportunity to crush the patriarchy. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Hi! Hello! Diana, I'm so excited. I'm very excited as well. We have our first guest in the Beaver Dam. Woohoo! Hi, guys. Bethany Smith is here. It's me. I'm really glad to be here with you guys today. So we're so excited to have you. Absolutely thrilled. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. Um, Diana and I are really big on intention setting for the new year, getting our planners together, getting our notes together, getting our dream boards in order. Um, I, I feel like specifically for me, the new year is like such a great time to kind of reevaluate mm-hmm. and take stock of what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually we were in conversation on the Dream Girl Network, which is our Facebook group. And I can't remember if I was asking for tips or tricks or, or, or rituals that people do during the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people have different like things they like to do. I know Diana, you, and last year you wrote notes. Yeah. So every year I keep a gratitude jar where basically, so my whole thing with new year's is like, everybody hates it. I feel mm-hmm. like every single person I talk to about new year's, they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. I have to put on like an uncomfortable dress, high heels and be absolutely freezing doing something I don't want to be at. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's really an opportunity, as you said, Aaron, to like, Set your intentions, visualize how you want to feel throughout the year, set some goals, you know, push yourself a little bit. And what one of the things I do is actually a Liz Gilbert thing. Yeah. Mm. It through her where she has a gratitude jar. So what she does is you have just like an empty jar and anytime something happens that feels good throughout the year. So it can be something you're grateful for. It can be some a really fun thing you did. It can be a win. It can be anything. Um, you write it on a piece of paper and you put it in the jar. And so at the end of the year, you've accumulated this jar of little pieces of paper. Um, Because I feel like at the end of a year, we either remember it as good or bad. Mm -hmm. This year was sucked. This year was great. We don't remember all the nuances. We don't remember all the moments. And we can kind of get lost in the overwhelm of reflection. And I think that this gratitude jar, what you do is you just go through it on, you know, New Year's Day or the 2nd or the 3rd of January and you just read through all the pieces of paper and then you throw them out. That's so nice. And you start I think again. I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's this really, year. I've done it for two years and it really, it's a really nice ritual. I would say for me too, like I never celebrate the wins ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I probably forget about them immediately after they happen. Mm-hmm. So to be able to actually go back and go, oh, this happened and this, ha-, like, it, to add that joy is so great. Yeah. And I like to bring, like, people into it. Like, I love to send, like, like, to group together all the moments that I had with, like, you. Or I oh. love, like, to sh- share with people, like, hey, remember when we did that, like, thing on March 13th? Wasn't that fun? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really a fun way to remember the year. Totally. So we were talking about it on the Dream Girl Network. And then Bethany was coming in and dropping uh, gems gems knowledge like and i was like hold the phone first of all like you need to write an article for mm-hmm. us for feminist wednesday so we can really share because you i felt like had such a deep dive of the like the whole process of it um and then i was like you know let's just have her on and like get get into it more and really kind of give people 
a sense of what it is like to kind of do a deep dive. Now I'm wondering where, where, how did you even come to this information? Like, how do <laughs> like, are you somebody who like Diana and like myself, like, is the new year a big thing for you or kind of where's your intention <laughs> setting kind of spawn from? So it is now um, at the stage of my life where I am now. I love the new year. It's my own personal like rebirth holiday type situation. I do something very similar for my birthday. That's like my own personal new year. But mm. um, I have grown in the last several years to truly, truly like this time of year. And part of that comes from most of that comes from actually the fact that I went through like a ridiculous depression stage in my life. I went um, there was a period where I was homeless. There was a period where I was like really struggling with a bunch of different just issues, both personal and professional. I lost my job. I dropped out of college. Everything was just a mess. And so I just, I was at this rock bottom point and I was just like, I'm really tired of being miserable. Like I've Mm. been miserable for a really long time. And so I kid you not, I would just Google things like how to be happy, how to like um, get over things. And so I started doing all of this research about like psychology and how to get shit done actually. And a lot of what I learned was about like different processes for setting goals and actually achieving those goals. And what does it actually take for someone to be productive and actually like checking things off of their list because productivity and happiness are really, really correlated when you're not doing the things, when you're not in line with the person that you want to be, when you're not doing the things that are important for you as a person, that's where the disconnect for the happiness comes. So Mm -hmm. like, even when you're really busy, like depression doesn't have to feel like I'm just laying in bed in my pajamas all day, although it totally can. It can be, I am working. I'm totally burnt out. I'm doing so many things. And yet I feel like nothing is happening. And the reason why you feel like nothing is happening is because the actions that you're taking are not in line with the person that you are. Mm. And so I did a lot of like internal work trying to figure out who I was, what do I want? Like, what do I really actually want? So that the things that I was doing was getting me closer to those goals that I had. And yeah, that was the, that was the start of it. That was the start of it. And, and once I actually started putting those ideas into practice and started keeping a journal and using a planner and doing all these other things, it boosted my happiness so much that it got me able to do and physically create just stuff. Things were getting done. I was Mm -hmm. feeling better about myself. My confidence was shooting up. And so I just, I have a system now, my planning system. (laughs) You got the tools now. I got the juice, baby. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is like, even as you said that of like your space of depression. um, So four years ago, before I started Dream Girl, I was at a job where I was being sexually harassed. I definitely went through a time of depression and I quit my job around the new year kind of intentionally because Mm -hmm. I was kind of at a breaking point anyway. But I also was like, this year is not going to be like last year. And I made a real mental shift to go, okay, I'm in a place of deep unhappiness. Mm -hmm. I I feel like a totally different person than I was at the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. And I will no longer, I refuse to be that person anymore. And I'm going to move forward in a different way. And I feel like when you create that space for yourself to say, to mentally shift, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we obviously need the tools. um, But I think that's like such a huge piece to be able to step forward in that way and name it. Yeah. 
to be able to then be open to, okay, digging into how do we make that happen? Yeah. And, and people have different like terminology for it. They're like, people talk about it differently. People say, you know, you have to decide, you have to actually decide to make these changes or, you know, people will say that there's a moment that shifts for a person. And it really just all boils down to that mindset shift that you're talking about, Aaron. Like you have to really just sit down and decide is one way to say it, but it's it's bigger than that. Actually, Mm -hmm. there's like a physical feeling in your body where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like where I am currently is I don't want to stand in this place anymore ever Mm -hmm. again. And so you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to get to somewhere else, but that's the goal. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. It's like an idea of like coming into alignment. Yeah. You're, you're kind of, it's a shift, but it's also kind of bringing together all of the different spaces that just feel like they've blown apart yeah, and kind of intentionally moving them together into a, into a position that they're aligned and correlated. Yeah. Bethany, I also love what you said about how productivity is linked to happiness Mm -hmm. and how being busy sometimes, because that I, for me, feel so centered in work Mm -hmm. and doing work and, and being productive Um, and I feel like we, you know, doing sales for the last year and a half really has been, I've been busy, Mm -hmm. but I haven't felt productive Mm -hmm. and I have really struggled, you know, with my work and with doing the work of like, how come these two things feel differently? Mm -hmm. And that's such a great, that I feel like I had such an aha moment when you said that, that was like, oh, I was just busy. Right. Right. Which is different. We're we're in this, (laughs) we have a really busy culture We're we're at this stage where we just praise busyness so much, you know, like it's almost a contest. Have you noticed when you talk to someone and you're just like, what's going on with you? And then someone will say, I am just so busy. I'm working on these 17 things and I have two kids and I'm about to get married. And then the other person will turn around and respond and be like, yeah, I totally understand because I have 77 kids (laughs) and I've been married 16 times and I hate my boss. So, And I'm starting my own company and I'm running a nonprofit. It's amazing. Catch me on Instagram. Like, Mm -hmm. And we just really praise this idea of working ourselves to death. What is work-life balance? I take my phone home with me. I wake up in my email inbox. I fall asleep in my email inbox. Mm -hmm. And it's just like all of these things that we're doing, but what are you doing? What are you accomplishing? Like there have been so many times that I looked down and I had checked off a million things on my to-do list. But at the end of the day, it was just like, why is it that nothing that truly needed to get done got done? Mm -hmm. Sometimes our to-do lists are, even the to-do list itself is filled with nonsense. Yeah. None of these items need to be there. Totally. Absolutely. And like, who are they there for? That's something that I always question is like the biggest thing that I'm always plagued by. And I know this is something many of us face is like the shoulds. Mm -hmm. When you Mm -hmm. wake up and you have a day of shoulds, Mm -hmm. there's nothing more exhausting. There's Mm -hmm. absolutely no joy in any of the items on your list. You're just mm-hmm. like, right. you don't get any kind of, you know, satisfaction or right. any kind of enjoyment out of completing them. It's literally like, I did this because I should. I did this because I said I would. I did this because he asked me to. Oh I my God. This- well, I just called Diana this week because I had two events this week and I'm jet lagged and I haven't had it. I'm a, been exhausted from this global trip that I took. And I called Diana and I was like, basically asking for permission not to go. <laughs> And she was Isn't like, it funny that you think you need that. Yeah. But I felt such a responsibility of I should go. It would be good for these X, Y, Z reasons. And I really I called like three people and I was like, somebody needs to give me advice about this because I felt so guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I rid myself of the guilt of the should? When I tested you a little bit because I was like, because I know you and I know you have such a huge personal responsibility of showing up for people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, OK, well, you know, if you feel good enough, you should just go. 
and I heard your voice on the other end go, but, but I don't. <laughs> you literally sighed into the phone. And I was like, I think Doesn't you should put on your pajamas like and put on the Christmas prints for the fifth time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the intention comes in, right? Because it's it's the problem with the shoulds. There are things like what is where do the things on your to-do list come from? The things mm-hmm. that you're working on, who put them there? Did you put them there or did someone else put them there? Um, do these items matter for what it is that you're doing? And then another something that really like blew my mind when I was researching was like, the difference between important tasks and urgent tasks. Mm -hmm. So like there are things that seem important because they are time sensitive or they're like blaring and going off at you right now. The phone is ringing. There's a new email coming in on my inbox. Um, Someone is pitching me an idea that's urgent because it has, it's happening. It's, it's in your face, but like, is it important? What Mm -hmm. will happen if you don't answer the phone? Yeah. If you curve that email, does the world explode? Is the pitch that you were just sent viable, useful, relevant at all to what it is that we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Like how much of our time do we spend reacting, react, exactly Mm. reacting to the things that are tossed on our calendars from other people? Mm -hmm. How many of the things that are on, like for me personally, one thing that, um, and I had to go all the way to therapy to figure out <laughs> that this was a thing for me. Like, I realize now that I take on the problems of the people that I love the most. Mm. So, like, if my sister is having a bad day, if she calls me at work and she has, like, that cheerful sound in the back of her voice, I am ready to, like, go into a conference room and be like, forget everything else that's on the roster for today. Yeah. What did she say to you? What do mm-hmm. you need? I will drive down there right now. And I'm just like, well, actually. <laughs> They don't pay you to save your sister. You need to do what is actually important for you to do today. And then, you know, for yourself, it, it really just is de- deciding what is important. If it's more important to go and have that time that you're spending with your family, then that's fine if you choose it. Mm-hmm. But you have to actually make the choice and be cognizant of who is doing the choosing for the actions that you're taking. Well, something that RuPaul says all the time um, is that he noticed that he was addicted to being late, addicted Uh to the feeling of being late. And that's why he was late. Mm. You know, that rush, that urge. And I think we become addicted to the urgency. Mm -hmm. I'm needed. I'm needed. Mm -hmm. I got to answer this. I got to be there for my sister. And Mm -hmm. I think we create this. Um, flurry of excitement and emotion. And I think we do that a lot of it to ourselves. Yeah. Um, Before we kind of dive into all of the New Year's resolution, I would love to know kind of more about your story Mm -hmm. and kind of (laughs) how you came to be with us today. I mean, I think um, I never, I mean, as much as you want to talk about of like your journey of being here and kind of where you're at, I would just love to know more. I would love for our listeners to know more about you. Uh, Okay. No problem. Um, so my day job, like what I do during the day, I'm an office manager at an e-commerce company in Chelsea. Um, right now I am in the process of launching a personal brand for myself. It's just going to be, you know, bethanynicole.com. And my tagline for that is going to be, be happy, get shit done. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's all about these things that we're talking about now, all of the things that I've learned through this, oh God, how long, how long did the, did the dark days last? (laughs) (laughs) It was several years actually. Um, And I just, I got to this place where even though I was side hustling, there were so many things that I wanted to do. There's been so many blogs that I started and then 
was unable to like see through just because mm-hmm. like so many twists and turns were happening in my personal life. Um, I started off with an event planner blog. It was called the planner's process. Um, and it was something that I started just for myself because I thought I wanted to be an event coordinator mm-hmm. and I wanted to teach myself how. And so I started this blog and it went really well. Actually it exploded like gangbusters. I was getting called to go to conferences and ghost write for like established event software companies. Um, That's how I met Mallory. I met Mallory at an event that I was working for a nonprofit called Girls Right Now. And then as I was doing that work, that helped me transition into copywriting. So like I was a word of mouth copywriter Mm -hmm. and I was literally paying my bills without a copywriting website because I was working with indie entrepreneurs and I was helping them put together the copy on their websites, coming up with branded social media campaigns for them, all these different things. And like business was booming and everything was going great. And I was just like, look at me. People are signing $600 invoices. This is amazing. And then just things started to fall apart. Like there were um, a couple of people that were very close to me that passed away. (laughs) And then um, my longtime relationship that I was in, it was a sort of a toxic relationship that I was in and then it ended and I didn't particularly know what to do with myself. And then I got pregnant and then I got sexually assaulted. It was my Mm. birthday. It was just awful. So many things like just back to back to back things that were just, and it completely shook my confidence. It completely shook my sense of self and who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. And I was having anxiety and depressive episodes and like, panic attacks. And that's how I ended up homeless because um, the people that I was living with, my family, I had the most like explosive panic attack. And it was, I was acting out and I was acting crazy and I was saying things that didn't make any sense. And I was Mm. treating people ridiculously badly. And everyone was just like, respectfully, you can't stay here Mm. acting like that. You're acting crazy. You're putting other people in harm's way. And so I didn't actually get any better after that. I started making ridiculously risky choices and attaching myself to people that I didn't need to be attaching myself to. And it was just, it was just crazy. And I ended up in the hospital. I was just sick and I was tired and I looked up and I was just like, I'm so alone right now. I don't have any friends. I don't know where all my friends went. I don't know where my life went, where my sanity went. Like, I was just a miserable person. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this just can't, it just can't continue. We have to do something else and we have to go somewhere else with what we're doing. And so, you know, I, I slowly started to put those pieces together back for myself. I really got into journaling. My journal saved my life. Mm. Um, and I, the reason why it saved my life was because I was able to reflect back on the things that I had written, right? So, yes, my journal does sound, when I read it back to myself, like some high school angsty emo nonsense. Mine too. But it was really transformational and instructional to be able to look through those times and like see the tear stains on the page and see where I had been and what was really going through my mind because having it physically written down on a piece of paper allowed me to do the introspection necessary to really figure out what was triggering me and what Mm. the traumas were and what the, what the holes were, like what was hurting me. A lot of the time when we're in a bad place, we don't look at the badness. Mm. We just 
wallow in the fact that we don't feel well because it doesn't feel good to look at what doesn't feel good. Yep. But you have to look at what doesn't feel good because it will never feel any better unless you stare it in the face. Wow. And just sit in that like this. Oh, sucks I, know. I know. I'm just it's like- really bad. It's really bad. Ooh, wow. Girl. I mean oh. 2018 guys, if you do the planning. Wow. Well, I will say even like the fact to like, I mean, let's a moment of pause yeah. for that because that, that is incredible. And I think, you know, the emotional strength to going in and doing the work, because I will say for me, my journal, I only pull it out if I'm like devastated, if I'm coming to tears, like me it's too. my anger place of like fury and frustration. It is angsty. Yeah. Um, and But I don't go back. Like when I go back and read it, it's so depressing. Mm-hmm. And I think for you to have the strength, the inner core strength, the grounding to go, no, I'm going to go into that and I'm going to name that and I'm going to explore that. I think, wow, that's so powerful. I read that on Google. Though. What a lesson. <laughs> but still, not a lot of people can do that. Yeah. You know, that takes so much. It's it's brave. It is. And it's it's really scary. And like, before we started recording, mm-hmm. we sat down and we talked about like what the fact that you read all this advice on the internet about like how to get things done and the way to do it is to just do it. Yes. Yep. Like you have to just do it. And that's something that I struggled with because I'm a supremely lazy person. <laughs> Bethany, it, no, it's not a game. <laughs> I am a supremely lazy person and I'm impatient. Like I'm the type that I have to, when what's the mic- your sign? I'm a Leo. Okay. When the microwave is ticking down, I have to like close my eyes and count slower than the microwave so that I can feel like it beeped early. Like I have a problem. That's such a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Leos are such power <laughs> signs that like Beyonce is a Leo, like iconic, like superstar. I think Lady Gaga is a Leo, like really powerful people are Leos. And so that doesn't surprise me that you would have that force to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, it's funny. I read on, I'm a big journaler. I journal every day. Um, And I'm not the kind of, like, I don't go to it when I'm like, I'm very much in a bad place. I make myself sit down and and write something. Mm -hmm. That's so good, Diana. Um, And I read that if you feel like you're in a place where you're stuck or if you feel like you're in a place where you're not growing or Mm -hmm. you're too comfortable or Mm -hmm. things are working out too well. First of all, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome but, to the world. Yeah. But second of all, what the advice is, is that you you journal and you make yourself yeah. write. Even if it's just a page a day, you should write about three pages a day because that's about a half an hour of writing for mm-hmm. someone who's used to writing. But um, you write a page a day for a year. And at the end of that year, you read the book. Yeah. Wow. And you see from the first entry to the last entry, nobody stays the same. Mm-hmm. And you're you're constantly growing. You're constantly changing. You're constantly taking steps back. Maybe you're constantly mm-hmm. moving forward. You know, I think that that's, there's something so powerful to getting it out of your head and putting it on the page. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you have a practice of writing, whether or not you've ever done it before, mm-hmm. there's so much to be said for just making it real. Yeah. And also just kind of exploring and allowing yourself to process the emotions. And I find, I felt like I understood this in my painting before I understood it in my journaling Mm -hmm. of like, sometimes I just needed to get something out and I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to get it on the page and I need to paint with it and I need to use the colors. And I, if I understood that, that I could get to a place subconsciously that I couldn't achieve mentally. Mm -hmm. um, And I just kind of started realizing that journaling obviously is a similar space. So like, wow, it allows you to kind of create the I guess the space to be able to go to places that Mm -hmm. you might not think you're at Mm -hmm. and it's such a release yeah and sometimes the finality of the art in journaling 
comes when you read it again. Mm. When you go back and like reread what is there, it drives me crazy when I look and I'm just like, look at how emotional and how important this was on the page and how I have totally forgotten it. Yeah. Mm. Like it is, this is brand new to me again as I'm reading it. And I totally forgot this meltdown that I had did whatever it was yeah yeah one of the things i always catch myself on is if one day i'm like i don't really have anything to say today you know everything's just kind of going and and i did this over the weekend the next day i have like an emotional break (laughs) the suppression like even to my own and this is another important thing right keeping in mind nobody's ever gonna read it right this Mm. is something i tell people who like are kind of wanting to get into journaling is like don't write it with the intention that this is going to be read by anybody I feel the same way about my planner, though. Like, yeah. My physical planner. Like, that's part of this whole um, process that we talked about in the blog post and with the intentional planning. Like, it's almost part of my journal experience, mm. almost, because, like, like the questions that we that I go through to reflect on the year before, those are all uh, journal prompts for me. Mm-hmm. And then from those prompts is what I where I get my... Um, goals for the next year and because i'm one of these people who has owned every type of planner that there is to own like i always have a planner that has four different buckets where i can write in my four different goals and track them across the different months that i have so i can say okay um spiritually this year i like this year my goal spiritually is i want to have and find a spiritual practice that feels authentic to me Mm -hmm. um and that like means something. And so what are we doing each week, each month, each quarter? What are we doing to get that spiritual practice together? So like meditate all week this week is then going to be in my spirit bubble. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're putting in the steps in place to make it happen. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the thing is sometimes we put the dreams on the board and then we don't do the actions. Mm-hmm. But before we kind of dive into um, actually how to build the resolutions, um, I have one more question for you. If people are, you know... I mean, I can't imagine the trauma of like having the emotional breakdown that you did, you know, being on your own for you to be able to kind of climb out of that space. I know people holidays can be really tough for people just in general. I know we've all had, you know, our dark days. Mm -hmm. Um, What advice do you have maybe for people like what tool? I know you said journaling saved your life. Is there any other um, tips or or things that kind of got you out of that? Everybody says this. Everybody says it, but they everybody says it because it is true. Meditation is is life. Mm. Like, and it doesn't have to be meditation the way that you think of meditation when we well, like that really woo woo, like ohm type getting um, sitting in lotus position and things like that. But just like truly taking time every day to just be still. Mm-hmm is really important. And you can do that however you want. You can pray. You can just spend five minutes in the morning before you open your eyes, just visualizing what you want the day to go, how you want the day to go, setting your intention for the day. That's really helpful. But you should like really get into the habit of being still with yourself just because if you can be still with yourself and the more you do it, it's like creating a muscle. And what I learned after I began meditating, once I started with silence, is I got really in tune with my body. Mm -hmm. And so I could feel anxiety coming. I Mm. know now the difference between what anxiety feels like versus what sadness feels like versus what frustration feels like. And it sounds silly, but knowing how you feel in your body 
based on the emotions allows you to do something about the emotions. Like for me, sadness is always in my throat. Mm. I always, I like a suppressed sob. I always feel sad in my throat, Mm. but I always feel frustrated in my chest. Mm. Frustration is always here. When I feel shame, when I am ashamed, that's a head thing. Mm. I feel like the, the, the heat and like the, coolness is leaving my body mm-hmm. and like just but figuring out how you feel and where you feel it in your body and like what's happening to you and being in that space that really really helped me because I was able to say mm-hmm, I'm about to have an anxiety attack right now I need to excuse myself so that I'm not sitting in the quad in on campus yeah. like screaming in front of everybody I am having a quiet moment in the bathroom learning to breathe I don't need to sit down in the conference room at work and like sob my eyes out because I know that this is coming. And so I know that in five or so minutes, I'm going to need to be alone. So I'll go take a walk mm-hmm. or I'll jam to some Beyonce, which Beyonce cures everything. Fact. <laughs> no, it really is. It really is a fact. When I'm feeling like really terrible, I get my playlist on mm. and it's really hard to be like feeling crappy when Beyonce is talking about shaking her booty. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So many good gems. Meditation for sure is something that I feel like I have not, uh, it was such a core part of my practice and it has kind of fallen away from me, honestly. So Mm -hmm. what a great reminder to get still and to just be able to listen to your body. And I think so much of our I think so much of being in a world that's so embedded in social media is that we are so reactionary. And I think one of the joys of meditation is that it allows you to center and to know what you want. And I think we're constantly being told messages and, you know, things about what it's like to be a woman or a feminist Mm -hmm. or, you know, in Trump's America. Like it's so much right now. Um, And so getting still is so is such a great tip. Um, I'm so excited to dive into this resolution. Me too. I think we got to go right in. Um, where should we begin? Uh, I think we got to talk about what the heck intentional planning is. Yeah. So intentional planning, what did I say here? Basically, <laughs> intentional planning is just. And we're going to link this on um, Feminist Wednesday so people can kind of, you know, either take notes or if they want to look or come back to it later. Um, and also, Bethany, your blog is you have a you have a site a on, medium. You have a um, medium blog, yeah. which is absolutely incredible and i feel like every time you post something i'm always like bookmark 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 Thank um you. if you guys have enjoyed any part of this conversation i mean so many more gems to come and you yeah. know i can't wait to continue to support your um your website as it builds out thank you well we, we were talking about oh what intentional planning is so yeah. intentional planning is pretty much just what we've been talking about so far it is the physical act of making a plan for yourself and your goals mm-hmm. but a plan that centers on what you actually want is intentional and isn't reactionary in the ways that we've been talking about before so that it's actually based on the goals that you want and need to be um, achieving. I, mm-hmm. I'm really of the opinion that if you want to carry a plan through to execution, it needs to be based on you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that sounds so regular, but everybody misses it. <laughs> yeah. When you start, do you start, um, and then break di- Like, I think for me, some, something that I get lost in is sometimes I have too many goals. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that you kind of zero it down or you had mentioned for, mm-hmm. you know, main core? Like, can you talk about kind of how you get to your goals? Yeah. So the first the first step 
is always assessment. Like it doesn't matter what question that you ask me. Um, my response is always going to be check yourself first. Mm -hmm. So there are a series of questions that I always ask myself at the end of every year when I'm trying to figure out what goals is it that I want that I want to um, put together. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is, what is it that I want? Mm -hmm. um, and I have the answer to this question for me is a personal mission statement. Like I have a, a, a mission statement that I have written out that goes in the front of every planner that I have that I rewrite. Is this like into, a universe? Is it just a change year to year? Is this sometimes, your sometimes it does. So what I do is I check in on it um, quarterly, but like I check in on it with the intent to change it potentially at the end of every year. Mm -hmm. That's part of what I do in December is I reread it and I say, okay, who am I this December? Does the words that I just read still resonate with me in the same way as they did when I wrote them down? Like, have I checked anything off of this mission statement? Do I feel like I've completed mm. any of these activities? Who am I? And so what do I want? The response to what do I want for me is my mission statement. I want to be a person who is civically aware, who is connected to my friends and family, who um, does things that I actually want to do and who gives and spreads love and knowledge all over the place. Right. So as long as that still makes sense to me and it still feels, um, relevant i don't i don't feel the need to change it but um if there is something that i'm just like i think i am killing it in the love department mm -hmm. um we can change this to like there was a time where um even now i changed my mission statement to i want to be unapologetic mm. because i struggled after my sexual assault with the ability to say no to anything mm. like if you call me on the phone at work People call on the phone at work all the time. Can I put 15 minutes on your calendar? And I know when you call me that I don't want to talk to you about benefits or whatever it is. We have this in place. I don't need to have this conversation with you, but I don't know how to say no to you. I don't know how to turn you down. So like I'm literally at this stage where I am forcing myself to say no. Thank you. And that's it without yeah. like all the extra explanation or making up a story. I'm very good at like telling you that like someone died mm. or I'm having a situation, but just saying no, no, we yeah. actually have no need for that at this time. But thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's that whole sentence or it's that whole notion that no is a full sentence. It is. Yeah. I have that written on a post-it note Ugh. in my room. <laughs> phenomenal statement i think like having a mission statement and quotes like anchoring you is yeah. like something that i feel like diana you're really is a real big part of your journaling and like yeah. are you, do you have a quote for this year i don't what i did it's funny at the beginning of this year i i start almost all my journal entries with quotes i'm mm. a big i'm a big quote She's cheryl strayed basically <laughs> we love cheryl Strait. that is what i was saying <laughs> Um, because, and this is a Cheryl Straightism, because mm -hmm. quotes always say yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I just listened Whether to that with interview Oprah. with Oprah on Super yeah. Silk. Yes. yes. It's so good. Um, so what she means by that is like, whether or not it's a really sad quote, a joyful quote, a happy quote, you know, it always says yes. Mm -hmm. It always grants you permission mm -hmm. to feel the way you feel. Right. So quotes have always kind of held that space for me. And what I did at the beginning of this year is I went back through all of my journals from the past four years. And I wrote down every single quote on each page in a new journal. Yeah. Wow. And I, I like, quote journal. It's so good. And I filled a book. So like I have my own little brave enough. Oh my God. Sitting you in need my room. to release some of those for Feminist Wednesday. No, I don't release know what to do with your top I want to gift it. or something. Yeah. I need to figure out what I'm going to do with it. That's the type of gift that would make me cry. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of want to publish it, but you should. I don't know what I want to do yet. Ah, cool. that would be great. Um, so yeah, I I think that I use. It's funny. I use other people's words to give me what I need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So that's the first question that I always ask myself. So. What do I want? We're in this assessment phase of the planning process. So it's what do I want? What worked for me last year is the mm. second question. That's so huge. That's so big. When I say what worked for me last year, I like to sit down and think about just anything that I did or put into practice that made positive change for me. And that can be anything from something just as simple as one of the things that really changed my life for me was changing the time that I set my alarm. Mm. So if I actually need to be awake at six o'clock, I'm going to set my alarm for five o'clock with a snooze at five 30 mm-hmm. because I need to not actually just throw myself out of bed. I'm it a makes- big snooze. I snooze at least. I never snooze. Many, many times. And I, see, I that's, set my alarm to be able to snooze I'm, as well. I'm snoozing on purpose because yeah. if I, and like, this is why it was so transformational. Yeah. Like, that's why I had to write it down. Like, girl, you do not have to wake up instantly and throw yourself out of bed mm-hmm. because yeah. that's what I would do. Well, I like being able to just lay there lay for there. a minute and yes. be warm and just yes. let your brain wake up. Yeah. For me, it's an hour. It needs to be an hour because then I can like go back to sleep and I can wake up and I can like scroll through Instagram if I want to or I can just like pet the dog for a little bit. And I don't have to like, oh, my God, it's six, I got yeah. 16 minutes to get to the bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. It's like built in self time. Yeah, which is great, which is great, mm-hmm. which is great. And so. Then the third question is so we're so the I'm first I'm taking notes just so you know. Awesome. I'm taking as for Beaver Talk listeners, I'm like avidly scrolling. Got you. <laughs> so it's like what do I want? What worked last year and then what didn't work? What completely failed? Oh, How boy. did I like completely <laughs> that is the ruin my life? Question ever. It is hard, but then it also it's hard to admit to yourself. It's never hard to think of something. Yeah. As soon as you say what didn't work last year, my mind at least always has like 18 answers immediately ready. Well, I totally am not good at shopping. I not this budget situation didn't work this year. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it didn't work, but sometimes it's hard for you to admit out loud what didn't work. Yeah. And that is why it continues to not work. Mm. Mm. Because you never actually Truth sit bomb. back. Yeah. It, you never actually sit back and say, hey, I suck at budgeting. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to. Because if you can say I'm not good at budgeting. Can you tell I'm not good at budgeting? If you say <laughs> I'm not good at budgeting, it means that you are now, your your brain automatically starts trying to figure out ways to solve the problems that you acknowledge. Yeah. So if you say I'm not good at this, your brain is just like, well, your sister's good at that. You can ask her. You can buy an Etsy budget planning thing for $18. You have $18 now. You have a job. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? literally just said this to my husband this morning because we were talking about like his I was telling him, you know, we're going to do this intention planning. And I said, do you want to do it together? Um, should we go through stuff? And he's, you know, talking about his band and like um, it's really interesting. I think as an artist, he's always thinking like 15 steps ahead. Like the fear he holds is not for today. It's mm-hmm. for, you know, like months and months from mm-hmm. now. And I was like, yeah, you need to write it down. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yes. You need to write it down. You need to dive into this summer. Because just like you said, your brain, once you release it, then it's like, oh, these are all the solutions. Yes. And then it becomes something that you can kind of figure out or go, oh, well, it's not that bad. Or, you know, I'm going to call this person and get help. Like, but having, holding it to the fear space of like not knowing it. 
And um, then also psychologically speaking, we all do this thing where we overestimate our ability to get stuff done. Yeah. So like when you haven't acknowledged that you're not good at something, when you go to do that thing, you are going to overestimate how good you are at it. And then you're just going to look up really surprised when you're just like, that didn't go as well as I thought. And it never does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're surprised every time. I think this is also a big difference of doing this and worst case scenarioing, as mm-hmm. I call it, mm-hmm. is worst case scenarioing is giving so much power to the fear that you just start to spiral mm-hmm. and you yeah. start to feel bad mm-hmm. and you start to feel guilty and you start to feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, the, I love that you call this intentional planning mm-hmm. because the intention is everything. You're right. you're not intending to beat yourself up about right. all the stuff that didn't work last year. Right. right. You're intending to look at it and figure out ways strategize different plans to do better yeah figure out a solution and so so it doesn't feel as heavy right i think we don't i think a lot of the reasons we don't kind of you know make real the worst case scenarios because it's scary it's scary Mm -hmm. to like put that down on paper and be like wow i really hope that never happens Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that's different than just you know saying oh my god what if i lose my job and my manager hates me and I'm such a bad person and I'm so bad. I'm such a terrible friend. Like that's very different. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's an important distinction to make when you are kind of visiting the more uncomfortable places of your year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And, and go and going into this space with a bit of kindness, yes. we can all be garbage people to, you know, ourselves yes. and to oh, like, yeah. you know, I think to your point of like, this could be a, like, I'm going to beat myself up situation. And like, mm-hmm. don't do that. Don't like, just don't. Let's not. Just don't. We don't have to. <laughs> it's like crazy how much you don't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> And then so our next question that I always ask myself is what happened and then what didn't happen last year. And so that sounds really similar to what worked versus what didn't work. But the reason why I include this question is because it shifts the thought process just a little bit. It allows you to like there's a slight difference between thinking about what you did versus thinking about what happened to you. Some of the things that happened to you were above and outside of your control. Totally. But they still totally happened and that can be positive or negative. Um, That can be positive or negative. And so similar to thinking about how the actions that you physically take affect how you feel and what you get done. Same too for the things that you couldn't have done anything about whether you wanted to or not but it's just like donald trump is the president that happened <laughs> i did not do it but here it is and there are serious repercussions for this thing that's the thing that happened that made me really sad this year yeah <laughs> can you get a little bit more into specifically what didn't happen is that more of like an abstract space of like think you know maybe intentions you had set yeah the previous year yeah. that didn't happen okay yeah so, that's- so like the, the things that didn't happen are like what things were you expecting to have happen that did not take place? Mm. Those can be things that you set up for yourself, meaning like I expected to lose 22 pounds this year and instead I'm fat. Or I expected Hillary Clinton to be the president and it didn't go down. Moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> like It didn't happen, you know, so just just checking the difference between your expectation versus what actually happened because even in that place like even in that space where you check out the interplay there it's just like well why did i expect that Mm. to happen why did it hurt my feelings that it didn't happen it's because i realized that this country was a lot more sexist than i expected it to still be in 2017 it's because this thing illuminated several truths about where we are in this country and where we are systemically politically and i those truths make me itchy also, this has nothing to do with intention planning, but no. I 
So I just want to interject some rando, um, something that I learned overseas um, by being in two countries that have like dictatorship and authoritarian governments is I know that we're all feeling this intense heaviness. And I think at the end of the year, people do go through these depressions seasonally. Um, Our political climate is horrifying. However, I felt so much hope being overseas because I realized how much power we have to be able to use our voices, Mm -hmm. to be able to share our stories, to be able to resist publicly in the street, not get shot, Mm -hmm. not get imprisoned. I mean, we can handle four years. Mm -hmm. And I know that it seems like an eon. We've gone through one already. Mm -hmm. Um, And some countries have to deal with these fucking men for decades and generations. And then they have to deal with their sons and their, you know, so... I know that we feel this um, intensity and I know it gets heightened, but I do. I feel like now I can see a light at, at the end of the tunnel, which I before did not realize was there. I'm going to go to Egypt so that I can see the light. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come with you. Well, I'll go. And then the last, the last final question. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So the last final question is what was last year's big lesson? Mm. No, wait, hold on. There this was a question. A big one. There was a question before that. <laughs> there was actually a question before that, because this is the question that always is like the, the one that makes me cry in my journal. And that mm-hmm. question is how much more do I love myself? Ooh. Oh, I just got full body chills. Right. And the reason why you have to ask yourself how much more do I love myself this year is because <laughs> If you don't ask yourself, you don't realize that there has or has not been a shift, yeah. right? While I was in like the throes of my depression, I realized that the answer to that question, like it was a drastic decrease. I love myself significantly less than mm-hmm. I loved myself last year. I love myself. I don't like that was the thing that I realized that I was in this really toxic relationship with me. I talked very badly about myself. I was very unforgiving towards myself. I lied to myself very often. I let myself down all the time. And I realized that I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of guilt from having been sexually assaulted. I Mm. felt as if that was me letting myself down. You, Bethany didn't protect me, Bethany from this evil thing that happened. Mm. And I really held that against myself for a really, really, really long time. And you just have to acknowledge this, the fact that you have to love yourself first and foremost. Like you have to send good, loving juju to you because if you're not at that place, all of the other things that you're trying to accomplish are either not going to happen or they're going to be, they're going to happen with um, bad intentions and they're going to fall apart at some point because you accomplished this thing with hatred towards yourself. Mm. Can I ask you a question about bad intentions? Because this is something that I've been trying to think about a lot. And like, even when I didn't want to go to that event this week and Mm -hmm. I was like, what is my intention for going? And I know that's a big thing with Oprah. She's always asking like, what's the intention of doing something? It's her favorite word. It's her favorite word. But sometimes I feel like uh, responsibility in my brain trumps intention. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of... I have a lot of trouble detangling what I have, what, cause sometimes we just have to do stuff, right? Yes. And we have to do stuff that we don't want to do. Yes. I think kind of how do we anchor ourselves in like good intentions? It's about the outcomes that you want, right? So the things, there are always going to be things that we don't want to do, but sometimes the things that we don't want to do that get us the things we do want to have are worth doing. Mm. So there are certain responsibilities that are put on our plates that are not our responsibilities, right? So it's just like, well, you first you have to figure out what trumps what. And those two things can be in flux at any given time. So like for the exact example that you're giving for going on this extra show, 
or doing this guest appearance, it's like doing this guest appearance would be good for my brand. It would be exposure. It would be whatever the case is. However, I am like sick with tired. Mm. So in this moment, which thing trumps which thing? It's right. not that Feminist Wednesday and Dream Girl are not important or that your responsibility to them is in any way decreased. But first and foremost, the thing that I have realized is that always, irrespective, no matter what is going on, the most important thing is to make sure that your cup is full mm -hmm. because you can't do whatever the individual task is to the best of your ability with a half empty cup. Yeah. So if 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 it is important to grow your brand, if it is important to be making these guest appearances, if it is important to be doing the networking, it might still behoove you in this specific instance to stay your ass home yeah. because I'm not feeling well enough, energetic enough, positive enough to go to this event and make a positive impact. So I should stay home so that I have enough energy to be great at the next one. Mm -hmm. So like, this is like the struggle of my life yeah. because I feel like I'll always, I usually, I mean, this, this week was a very rare um, instance, but I feel like I always choose responsibility over my cup being full. Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes you have to see, for you specifically, mm -hmm. you have to see filling your cup as a responsibility. Mm, yeah. And that'll make it a little bit easier because it is a, like it's a responsibility because it's just like at the end of the day, you just can't pull from an empty well. I mean, you can, but what you're I mean, yanking I'm up a, is dirt. Yeah. I, I'm a Taurus. So like the the level of bullshit I can mm. handle is like astronomical. In, it's crazy. And I know that about myself and I know that that's one of my strengths. So yeah, it's also something I struggle oh, with. Are you ready to be dragged the way I was dragged? <laughs> I read on Twitter the other day. I don't even remember the person's handle, but they said something along the lines of, you know, the techniques and the things that you use to survive are the antithesis of the things that you need to thrive. Mm. Oh. All of the things that you do that like save you from your traumas are coping mechanisms that you learn to stay alive during these difficult situations. But once you get healthy and once you are in a good place, you will find that all of those things do not serve you to get mm. to the next level. Wow. And it's really difficult to take those things that, that you did to survive mm -hmm. and get rid of them. Yeah. It's like survival versus living. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. It was, I was just like, well, fine. Wow. I'm going to need to write that one down. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> girl. And then so like, okay, so that's after you do all that, that's when you get to what was last year's big lesson. And so once you decide what last year's big lesson is, you can write that down however, however you want, you know? So my lesson for 2016 that I took into 2017 was that I had the power that I, I, I was in charge of my own agency. I'm in charge of my own body. I'm in charge of my own decisions. I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do. I have no interest in things that I have no interest in. And that's really, really, really okay. I don't mm -hmm. have to go places where I'm not celebrated. If I don't like the vibes, I can just go home. And it's just really okay. If you don't like me, you're very silly, but that's, you know, it's none of my business. Um, and this question here, what was last year's big lesson is what will take you into the next step for actually physically deciding what goals to set. Gotcha. You know, so you've done this assessment, you've looked through what worked, what didn't work, what happened, what didn't happen, what was my lesson, how much more do I love myself? And once you really go through all those questions, you'll really have this big picture view of the things that you need to work on and the things that you actually care about for the next year. Now, me personally, I break these up into four buckets. So 
I always set four goals, four huge, large. And so I always work backwards. So think of it as like an inverted pyramid. My big, 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 big goals are going to be things like be happier, mm-hmm. love my, like have a great spiritual practice, mm-hmm. you know, but then you, you, you narrow them in. So I have four buckets that I have four really large goals. And the buckets are the spiritual bucket, the communal bucket, the mental bucket, and the physical bucket. So your spiritual bucket is just getting more in line with yourself and like the higher powers of the universe, whatever, whatever that means to you. If you are a religious person and you believe in God, that's you deepening your relationship with whomsoever your God is. If you think that that's not real, but you believe in energy and you believe in, you know, frequencies and raising your vibrations, then that's you getting in tune with the cosmos, whatever, whatever that that sounds like to you, that stillness place. Do that do mm-hmm. that um so this spiritual is great goal. too because i feel like all of my goals are work goals <laughs> right <laughs> i never do like any of the spiritual or physical or ma- i mean and it wouldn't even cross things, my mind and these are the things that fill your <laughs> cup up this is how you keep your cup full by having a goal that's not just about like slaying it in a way that someone else can judge you and say you're doing a great job erin yeah yeah mm. do i feel like i'm doing a great job even if no one else ever tells me that I'm doing so that's huge well that's my, what I, say. I feel one. like my identity and the I so much am in love with doing work mm-hmm. that that's that becomes such a source of happiness for me and, and stability that's okay. and like when I and it, it, it's interesting like it it manifests like in different spiritual physical mm-hmm. ways but I think- everybody's spiritual thing is different so it's totally okay if you derive like divine pleasure from doing good work Mm-hmm. You just have to be sure about that and say, it's fine because I, this is, this is what moves me. Yeah. I also think that, I mean, work is so central to you. And I think that it's, it's very important <laughs> for you that it, it is a source of pleasure, but I don't think it should be the source of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that puts a lot of pressure when you do have a down week mm-hmm. and you like feel terrible about not doing things and mm-hmm. it's, because then you're not, you're not getting any, there's no like well-roundedness there. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I love about this pyramid is that it like, if you're having a bad spiritual week, go back to your mental right. goals. And if you're having a weird, you know, your relationships are a little bit off, go to the gym. Yeah. Or like it's like it yeah. kind of gives you other buckets to pull from mm-hmm. and other spaces to kind of derive that sense of groundedness. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And one thing that I do um, note because people ask me all the time, they're just like, you don't have a financial bucket. Mm. And the reason why I don't have a financial bucket, even though I always have financial goals is just because I have found that when you are paying attention to these four areas, when you're paying attention to your spirit, when you're paying attention to your body, when you're paying attention to like the amount of knowledge that you're amassing and the relationships that you're building, both with yourself and with your community, the money just come. It Mm. just is there. Like as someone who has literally, like I've been poor enough to the point where I'm just like, I cannot come and visit you. Even even if you invited me to do something for free, I could not afford to go and do that free thing because MetroCard is $2.75. And mm-hmm. I looked through my couch cushions yesterday for $2.75. And I can tell you that there's no more coins. So mm-hmm. I can't I can't show up. Like I've been that poor. And now I'm in a completely different space where I have like more going on in my savings account than I made entirely the entire year before. And the money will come if you are working on those other things. So mm-hmm. like, yes, I want to save $10,000 this year, but it's not going to go into one of like my huge buckets. You're, I will find that that 
that goal will be broken down some other way in one of these other four, one of these other four buckets. Mm. I love the faith in that. Yeah. I love the like, no, it, but there's so much trust it has happened. there. It has ha- the reason why is it's because I've, I've lived through it while yeah. I was home. Like literally I have been, I got, um, I quit fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was unemployed for this long spat of time. And that was when I was like doing my guest posting and ghost writing and, and, and side hustle situations. And like, I remember my sister being like, I don't know how you do this. You know, like the bills are just paid every month and you never leave the house. You don't have a job. Like you just sit on the computer and then people pay you to be on the, I don't know. I don't know what this is about, but it's amazing. And the money will come. The money will come. The job will come. The opportunity will come. The gift will come. The GoFundMe will come. The donation will come. The side hustle will come. It'll just, it'll arrive. I love it. I love it all. Ready to receive. I love that. And then so after, after that, once, so now you've done your assessment, you're feeling good about yourself. You know what's going on. You have chosen your goals, however many goals those are going to be. And the next step, and this is the part that nobody ever does, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why, this is the difference between New Year's resolutions and intentional planning. A New Year's resolution is, I want to lose 40 pounds. Go. And, <laughs> right? and, but uh, uh, an intentional plan is something that you have broken down even further. So it's like, now we're, now we're really narrowing that triangle. So you say, I want to lose 40 pounds. So you need to figure out your KPIs. KPI is your key performance indicators. And to determine what the key performance indicator is, you need to ask yourself, how do I know if I'm making progress towards whatever the goal is? How do I know I'm making progress on my goal of losing 40 pounds? What do I need to do in order to lose the 40 pounds? I need to drink more water. I need to go on a diet. I need to get rid of my carbohydrates. I eat, I'm going to be a bagel when I grow up is what I tell people, you know? So just figure out how you will know if you're making progress and then turn those into um, smart goals. So you make them simple, uh, attainable, meaning like, is this something that you can actually accomplish? And that varies from person to person. Like for me, an unattainable goal is I'm going to do an hour's worth of exercise every day. That's unattainable because it don't, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's a long time, yeah. (laughs) It's a long time. But what is attainable is I will wake up every single morning and do five minutes of stretching. Mm -hmm. Or instead of taking the bus every day, I will walk to the train station. Or I will take the stairs instead of the elevator. Just something that's attainable. Um, And then- the T in SMART stands for time sensitive. So it has a time attached to it. So I am going to do this three times a week. I am going to have three glasses of water a day or whatever it is. And then what's the last letter in SMART? T? Relevant. <laughs> yeah, relevant. And so you make these SMART goals and you break down these KPIs. And that is what you put if you have a planner, if you have any type of software or like whatever, you put that somewhere. There needs to be a place for all the stuff to live. And that's the fourth step is systematize it. So once you figure out what you have to do, what are these benchmarks that you need to hit in order to make sure that your goal comes to fruition, you need to put those benchmarks somewhere so that you can see if you're aligning with them. I use my physical planner for that. So it's like, I take those goals, those huge goals, and I say, so this is what I need to accomplish every month. And so if my goal for, like one of my goals is to publish content consistently for the duration of 
2017. Um, and that is with the goal of launching this brand of mine and like actually selling products, blah, 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 blah. So for the month of December, because Bethany starts her planning for 2018 and 2017. So for the month of December, I was just like, you need to post three somethings on Medium every week. Just just straight up, just post three somethings on Medium every week. And so that's what went into my planner, which then allowed me to say, if I need to have three somethings planned this week, that means that I need to draft all the posts on my draft, all the ideas on Sunday. I need to leave time on Monday to write the first one. I need to leave time on Tuesday. When am I going to write this blog post? I have a full-time job. When am I going to edit it? Where am I going to pull the research from? Like once you know what you're supposed to be doing every month, you can then say, this is what I need to be doing every week. Then you can say, this is what I need to be doing every day. And then you're putting it into these systems and using the discipline Right. Because it's not just having a planner. It's having the discipline to turn it into a system like the systematization. Is that a word? Whatever. And I think creating the routine of what it is, too, is also right. really big. I found for me. Yeah. Like if you don't like um, that's one of the posts that I wrote, like you don't need a planner. You probably need discipline because having a planner that you don't check is having a forty dollar notebook. Mm hmm. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, and I'm I've been so guilty of it. Like I love to bullet journal. And I got to this place where I realized that I was spending all of my planning time drawing out weekly layouts and using washi tape to make everything pretty. And it was really pretty, but there was literally nothing in the planner. Like there was <laughs> nothing in it except stickers. I've never used one of these. You don't need fancy I mean, planner thingies before. I'm a rifle paper girl. Love their planners. I've purchased every type of planner I feel Probably that it Do you have a recommendation? Yeah, what's your favorite? favorite? <sighs> Should I get a planner or no? I, it depends okay. on what type of person you are. Like it's it's Dennis a, is shaking your head. It, yeah. It I depends on what type of person you are. I'm I don't a, think I, you're a planner. I put everything on um post-it notes. And you rip, you're like a ripper. You're like a you're a completer. Yeah, yeah. I like to check it off. You might be able my to my planners are like to do I just have hundreds of to-do lists. You might be a bullet journaler because a bullet journal, like when you don't do all the like washi tape nonsense that I like the rabbit hole that I fell down into, mm -hmm. it's literally just a book with a bunch of to-do lists. It's a system. Yeah. A bullet journal is a system. So like you could do that. Mm -hmm. I I am currently using an Erin Condren planner. I've used a happy planner. That's a good one because it's only 20 bucks. You can get it for super duper on sale. Yeah, at I Michael's. see these planners sometimes in Brooklyn, and I don't no. know if they're no. like sixty bucks. No. And I'm like, is this because we live in Brooklyn, or what the hell? How are these things so expensive? <laughs> no, planners, <laughs> planners are, an investment. They are an investment, and they can be ridiculously expensive. I'm not sure why. I think it's just because there's an active, avid community of people who are just like, oh my god. Well, and if I buy it, then it it will happen. Is I think like kind of that consumer capitalist. Yeah, like you right, see but that's why you. But expensive. that's why you need discipline. Yeah. That's why you need discipline because that's the thought process that a lot of people have. Look, I bought a sixty dollar planner and I did a lot of work and I love the paperweight and it has all of these cool lines and it does all of these cool things and has these really great sections and I love the patterns on it and I am going to be so productive next year. It's going to be amazing. And then you put it on the shelf. <laughs> And when your lease is up in April, you move it from one apartment to the, to next. the next one. And you, you write in there that I'm going to work tomorrow. You knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You didn't, you didn't need to do that. I work from nine to five, like every day. No, bro. You're like mom's birthday. <laughs> um, 
Bethany, this has been like spectacular. Oh, thanks. It's I'm, incredible. This I is, really I feel like I learned so much and I'm so excited for people. If again, we're going to post it on Feminist Wednesday, they can find it on your Medium blog. Like this is information is out there for people. Um, I'd love to know, ladies, what, I mean, this is obviously, we haven't done a deep dive. We haven't researched what you think your big lesson is. For 2017? For, of last year. Yeah. What did you learn this year? <sighs> I haven't done my little, my little. This is totally on the spot and you can, uh, you know. I think that the lesson that I learned this year is that it's really okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like every day doesn't have to be a good freaking day. You're not actually going to be able to like both both schools of thought are true at exactly the same time. And that's the problem. So you are not just going to be able to manifest all the things that you want for yourself and simply thinking positive. You telling me to think positive while I'm having a panic attack is going to make me bite your face off. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It just it does not work. How like but however you do have to learn to take responsibility for all the things that you feel and all the suffering. Suffering is a choice. Like you don't have, the things that happen to you are arbitrary, right? And you're going to feel sometimes you're just going to be like, you know what? This sucks. This is a terrible moment. I hate my life right now. This is terrible. And it's okay to feel that way, but it's not okay to wallow in that space. And you don't have to, like, you really don't have to. It doesn't matter what happened to you. It doesn't matter who hurt you. It doesn't matter where you've been. Once you acknowledge, and that's why we have to sit in our pain. Once you acknowledge that something terrible has happened and that you feel really crappy about the fact that something terrible has happened, you really can get to a place where you're just like, I don't want to feel terrible about this anymore. Well, it's about having the tools to release it. Mm-hmm. So that we're not holding on to the pain anymore. Yeah. And like and, we and said, whether it's journaling or meditation or through art or through sharing our story. I mean, I think for me, like learning the tools to when you get in these situations to right. go, okay, I'm not going to default to my lizard brain. I'm going to, what have I learned? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How can I, how can I sit with this process, this and, and release it? I think and it's, it's a big okay one. okay to feel terrible. Like the, I don't know about other people, but I used to feel so much guilt every time I didn't feel good. Mm. Like. Everybody's just like, Bethany's always so happy. She sings when she talks and she's bouncy and bubbly. And I would just be like, I feel like I'm not allowed to cry. I feel like I'm not allowed to feel crappy. And like, I just don't want to talk to you right now. I know I talk to you every day, but today I want to flip you the bird and like, just be alone. And it's okay to just be like, today's not my day. I don't feel good right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably not going to feel good in an hour either. Like having depression or anxiety or a bad day or having been traumatized, like especially after this whole Me Too situation, Mm. like even I, you know, and we as women, we know that every woman that you know has had a situation where like I don't feel good today because of the patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. But since that's true, it has to be okay for you to, for it to be you too. If it's me too, and it's you too, even though we both individually feel terrible, there can't be anything wrong with the fact that you feel bad if everybody has felt bad. Mm-hmm. We just, I don't know. I think we, we take a lot of personal responsibility for like negative feelings all the time. And it's just like, I feel bad that I feel bad. Well, as women, we're gendered to take on everyone's pain. Yeah. And we're gendered to 
um, suffocate our own and yeah. to not share it and to not speak to the discomfort of what it's like to exist in the patriarchy yeah. and to hide from harassment, whether it's physical or verbal or in a thousand different ways that it manifests. So this is, this is a gendering that we have to unwire from our brains. Yes. Tell people when you're upset. Tell mm. yourself when you're upset. I have been very like- Let it out. Yes. You're like, you know what? Or oh, just tell what? your just, journal. Yes. But tell somebody, say yeah. something and acknowledge the fact that I don't like when people talk to me like that. I don't like the way that I feel when I'm in the meeting with the guy who talks over me all the fucking time. He never mm-hmm. lets me speak. I feel unheard. Mm-hmm. Like I've had dreams where I'm like screaming out loud and no one can hear what I'm saying. And it's because I feel unheard. I, I feel disrespected or whatever the case is. Just acknowledge that you don't like that crap. And you'll feel a little better. I love it. Diana, what's your big lesson? Oh boy. 2017 has been the year of (laughs) (laughs) like figuring it out. I lost, I've been, I've lost the plot a little bit this year. And Mm -hmm. I think my biggest lesson is to stay true to yourself Mm -hmm. and to trust yourself. Mm. And it sounds so cliche and it sounds so, you know, I'm sure a whole bunch of people just heard me say that and went, oh my God, really? But you know, full disclosure this year, I've had to switch jobs. I've mm-hmm. had to get on a new work visa. Um, and I'm still in the process of that. And I think that I'm ending this year. And God, what you were saying about feeling guilt is so real for me right now. Um, I'm ending this year feeling very, very far from myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm ashamed by that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, part of what I talk about all the time with my friends and family and through Dream Girl and through Feminist Wednesdays to for help women to share their stories. And I feel like a fraud right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like an imposter in my own life. And I think that the biggest takeaway for me, you know, and one of the goals that I'm working and I'm so happy, I'm so grateful to have this, um, this system and of intentional planning to move forward. But one of the things that I'm really working toward in the next year and, and for the rest of my life is to just always foster that relationship with myself mm-hmm. um which i haven't i haven't been doing mm. and so i think that I, I i was throwing it out to one of my girlfriends who's also going through she's gone through a little bit of a hard time in the past year and we've been talking a lot about just everything that is going wrong and one day i threw out the question to her what are you what are you so happy about right now at this point in your life and mine was that I feel empowered to move forward in an intentional way. Yeah. And that doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that the hard work of getting back to myself isn't there. That's, that's what is going to allow me to be empowered to move forward. But for me, it's, it's really that staying true to yourself is essential to living an intentional life. Yeah. Um, and it really is essential to your well-being. You know, I've been, it's no, it's no like uh, coincidence that I've been sick for the last month. Like mm-hmm. I, I have this cold that I can't kick mm-hmm. because it's the manifestation of stress. Mm-hmm. And I need to listen to that. I need to listen to my body. What you were saying mm-hmm. earlier about, you know, I feel that in my throat. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot out of alignment for me right now. And I think a big part of what I'm going to be working toward in the next year and, and onward is, is getting back to alignment, getting back to myself. 
And I will say, though, like having watched you go through this process um, and feeling very there with you, you know, through it um, is something that I was thinking about the other day is like, I feel like you've handled this with so much grace. And I also want you to feel that that like, I don't know how many people could go through the ups and downs of what you've been through this year and still, you know, come to work with joy and still find moments of peace and to like still foster your relationship. Um, so I know that you feel heaviness and you feel like you have to get back to that. And I hear that, but I also want you to know that like, you have really done an outstanding job of keeping yourself together because I don't know how you could, how you did it, honestly. Sisterhood is so important. <laughs> I it knew we so were not going to get through this episode of <laughs> No, it's so, it's so important to say those words of affirmation to each other, to hear it from other women, to say these things to other women. It's so so important mm-hmm. it's so important and when things are like really really hard it is so important to hear from the people who matter to you that they're proud of you and that they see the effort that you put in because i think that's what makes it so hard you know when you're in your little mouse mind you're like i'm fucking trying so hard yeah <laughs> like i feel like i'm killing myself trying to be good at life right mm-hmm. now and i stepped in a puddle and i spilled my coffee and everything that could go wrong is completely wrong and i'm trying so hard and to have someone else say well i see you like I see you trying and I'm proud of your effort and proud it of you, empowers <laughs> me is like really important. This is like some beautiful stuff. Yeah. And I would love p- listeners to, um, to reach out to someone who has inspired them this year. Yeah. I think yeah. spreading the joy and the gratitude and, um, you know, like we said, like reaching out to people who've spoken to you, like when you dig deep into your, um, you know, gratitude notes and find those moments, share that with yeah. other people. It's so Um, It means I know for me, like when I hear from people who get inspired by, you know, different things or the work and, you know, people send love letters to Dream Girl and it's such a joy to receive that. And so don't underestimate the power of doing that. You have to give us your big lesson before we go, Erin. Can't. I was going to try to sneak yeah, away. Sir, I, I, know, I saw you. I saw you like ready to and wrap it up. we're wrapping up. Nailed <laughs> it. Um, you know, to be honest, I've, I and I was telling Diana a little bit about this. I feel like my trip to Egypt and Tajikistan has been really transformative for me because it gave me the space to step away from my day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of what I've been doing for the last couple of months has felt from a place of like, um, I felt obligated to, to something that I love so deeply. And, um, I'm kind of at a place now where I'm ready to choose myself over. I like, I don't really know how to articulate this, but basically like, I'm ready to get back to like being an artist and creating Mm -hmm. work that I love and diving into that space of work and it's been an absolute privilege and an absolute honor to be able to travel with the film and to work on sales and i feel like i've learned so much um but i think in my heart i also know i'm ready to move on and i have to give myself permission to not close the chapter but open a new chapter yeah Um, and that has been really hard for me i think the obligation of serving dream girl um is such a joy it's such a gift of my life um it's totally changed my life in so many ways but also, at the end of the day, like, I need to now move forward and keep growing and keep creating. And so I think that has been, it's been really hard to to let it go and, and release it in some ways. So kind of figuring out and being open to that is something that I've been getting thoughtful about. And I'm so excited to go into this because I've been thinking about what's next and where I'm going to go and the projects I want to work on. And 
Um, so I'm so thankful that we got to do this yeah. and that you got to share your story with Thank our you listeners. For having me. What I mean, Thank you for if we have with me, <laughs> if we oh have any gosh. other guests, like step up. Because you know, Anthony, oh my god, we have such a benchmark. Yeah, please, and come back. Let's do another yes. birthday episode where you Ooh. tell us how to do birthday goals and yes. stuff. Absolutely, my Leo son will have will be risen. Oh my god, I can't wait for the Leo. And son how can to we? Rise. Is there any other way you want us to support you? Follow you on Instagram or anything else you want to plug? Um, I would love for you guys to follow me on Twitter. Um. I will, it's just Bethany N. Smith on Twitter, underscore Bethany N. Smith on Twitter. Cool. And then just follow me along on Medium because on Medium is where I'm going to be like detailing. I'm also going to go into the back end of like launching BethanyNicole.com and showing everybody like what's happening on on the back end of that. And just, I would love for everyone to come along with me on the journey. I can't wait to we read all of this. Yeah, please. I'm, I'm writing ready. my memoir in 2018 too. Woo! It's going to be called we'll self-care c- for the You come back for that, too. And we'll do, we'll do a whole, uh, we can't wait. Many times we'll see you I'm again. excited. I love Thank it. Thank you. Happy New Year, Beaverettes. Bye. Yeah. Bring the beat in. guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.